Hello and welcome to the December edition of Rich Pickings, Fidelity's Asset Allocation Podcast. I'm Richard Edgar, Editor-in-Chief, and you join me in the heart of a very Christmassy-looking city of London. Baubles and fairy lights are everywhere, and in keeping with the spirit of the season, we have an overflowing stocking of a show for you today, as risk is put back on the table, recessions are put off until 2021, and portfolio managers put their best foot forward to catch what could be the last bull market for a while all wrapped up with a review of the year gone and a look ahead to what 2019 might have in store. Listen on to find out more. With me here in the studio are three of the multi-asset team, all in fine festive form and just hours out of the last asset allocation group meeting of 2018. Let's meet them one by one. First, Anna Stupnitska, our global economist. Anna, uh, we're all now in the Christmas spirit. So tell me, um, what do you most look forward to at this time of year? Uh, usually it's uh, Christmas shows and this year in particular I can't wait to see Room on the Broom which is a musical adaptation of, of the classic children's story. But I've read the book many times, you're in for a treat. Well, sitting opposite Anna is Bill McQuaker, Portfolio Manager. Bill, um, what about a childhood memory of Christmas that stuck with you? I, I think one of the strongest memories I have is when I was seven or eight years old, I uh, I came across uh, something that was tucked away in my uh, in a cupboard, and I thought that it was telling me that I was going to get a set of golf clubs for my Christmas, and it was just like the most exciting thing. And then I realised it was a pattern for knitted golf club head covers. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bit of a come down. Not quite as exciting. <laughs> Right, and completing our lineup today is James Bateman, Chief Investment Officer of Multi Asset. James, I'd like to know what your favourite Christmas film is, please. Ah, well, Richard, um, clearly I'm, I'm going to go very highbrow here with uh, Muppet Christmas Carol, watched uh, by myself um, every single Christmas Eve, has been for, for many years, and, and I would contend the most faithful um, adaptations of Dickens um, that there is, despite the fact it is mostly starring puppets. And who could improve on that? Uh, well, jolly good, James. Let's start uh, the, the show proper, if we may, um, with the positioning that the group decided on this month. Um, in November, of course, we learned that you'd gone neutral across all asset classes. What about now in December? So, um, it's December. We probably had a bit too many uh, mince pies and mulled wine when discussing it. So, we are now um, overweight um, equities, overweight fixed income, underweight cash. That's a big change. It is a big change, Richard. And I think it kind of reflects a, a, a sense that uh, 2019 won't be like 2018. And we need to, to think a bit differently in terms of our positioning. And, and there's two real themes coming through there. One is um, this real prospect that there is this last leg of the bull market to come and missing out on that could be very painful in terms of missing upside. So having had a bit of a setback in equities, the idea that we're ramping up the position just slightly and and in in regions that we particularly favour, which we'll come to, I'm sure, um, seems sensible. On the other hand, you know, we could be wrong. And if we're wrong, we want some fixed income. So this is not a time to barbell with equities and cash, given the, the, the sort of flat returns or negative after inflation returns from cash. And therefore, it seems like the time to also increase our fixed income exposure. And tell me whereabouts. You just hinted that, the, that some regions are in favour and some are out. Absolutely. So on an equity perspective, we are still underway to Europe 
real concerns then were concerns that the market's so focused on Brexit, it's ignoring other risks. And then we are overweight Japan, uh, which we were already, but also overweight emerging markets. And that's quite interesting because those are for two very different reasons. You've got the overweight Japan, the defensive market, underappreciated, unloved. And you've got emerging market, which, you know, on valuation grounds, uh, we like actually across the capital spectrum, so equities and debt, um, but that we really think has the potential for a re-rating in uh, 2019. And you're still neutral UK. You're not tempted by the fact that things are bargain basement cheap. No. And, 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 you know, things are at a price for a reason. And to our mind, almost every day and perhaps actually probably every hour, every minute, something happens that we're not expecting. And the idea that we can outsmart the market in that environment, which is driven much more by politics than economics or fundamentals, just seems naive. And, and so to take a position on the UK is to say we know more about Brexit and what might happen than we do the, than, than our peers or anyone else in the market. And I don't think anyone has that edge. Well, let me ask one of your peers here. Um, uh, Bill, tell me, does this tally with your view about the UK for a start? No, I'm, uh, I'm one of those naive fools who, um, <laughs> who thinks that uh, the UK's got something to offer at the moment. Uh, I observe that uh, the valuation of the UK is unusually depressed. Uh, ownership of the UK, uh, similarly, unusually depressed. And we, we kind of know why both those uh, situations uh, prevail. Um, in terms of the makeup of the market, uh, there's a lot of uh, exposure in the UK that's actually nothing to do with the UK and nothing to do with uh, the UK economy. Some people estimate as much as 80% of revenues in the FTSE 100 arise outside the UK. Uh, but the, uh, the, the, kind of the Brexit discount persists. So I think that adding a bit of UK exposure in the midst of all this uncertainty uh, is actually quite sensible rather than naive. And both of you are ploughing headlong into this uncertainty. So risk is back on the table, James. Yes, I think risk is back on the table. I think I think what we've seen is is you know a period of volatility, which, as we expected, throws up some buying opportunities. But equally, um, a time at which you 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 know purely being neutral just doesn't feel active enough to take advantage of the opportunities that are appearing. And whether or not you agree on you know the two different UK stances, it's right to have an opinion and right to be doing something. Right. Well, let's uh, move now uh, to Anna and get um, the macro uh, perspective. Does it make sense that here we've got James and Bill um, risk? back on when the headlines certainly are full of warnings of impending recessions. Well, certainly headlines um, uh, are full of those warnings. And if you read uh, these things, you think we're already in recession. Uh, My assessment is it's certainly justifiable to um, have those worries because we have uh, the largest economy in the world, the US, set to slow as we enter 2019 and the effects of the fiscal stimulus fade and uh, monetary tightening bites further. We have China, the second largest economy, slowing with no signs of stability for now and no signs of big uh, old-style stimulus that could potentially engineer a rebound in growth. And uh, our leading indicator, which is global, which looks at a number of global metrics, also shows that uh, global growth is likely to continue slowing over the next two to three months. So all, all this um, uh, does lead to some all, all kind of All this suggests concerns. folly from our, from our participants here, uh, however, Bill and James. However, however, okay, there's a big however. Uh, if you look at the big picture, 
you, you look at the fundamentals, it's relatively clear, well, at least to me, that we are in the late cycle, particularly in the U.S., and there are certainly signs in the cyclical and the interest rate sensitive sectors, and certainly already some signs, tentative signs in the labor market that uh, things are cooling down a little bit. But this late cycle dynamic can play out for a while. We also have actually a lot of policy support uh, from central banks uh, and uh, some fiscal policy in certain parts um, of the world uh, supporting growth or ready to support growth in the case of uh, downturns. Uh, so actually, um, I think we're not uh, heading into a recession over the next 12 months or even beyond. Uh, but of course, it, it, it's right to be worried and to continuously assess the risk. Because there are some indications, aren't there? If you look at the, the yield curve, which is flat at the moment, in fact, uh, there are some uh, uh, measures between the, the say the, the, the two and the five year uh, bonds where it's actually already inverted. That's, you know, if, if, if it moved between twos and tens, then that really would be uh, an indicator that most people would say um, suggests there's going to be a recession. Well, yeah, historically, the yield curve has been a good indicator for recessions. And a lot of research has been done on this. Um, and actually, the Fed, or some of the regional Feds have the models, uh, recession models that are purely based on this indicator. However, there's also an argument that it reflects more market expectations rather than actual fundamentals. So investors are expecting growth to slow, but potentially expecting a recession. But it doesn't mean that the recession is coming. It, it might come because of other reasons. Uh, certainly, the yield curves um, are flat and some parts are inverted. But again, it's not a sign to us, at least, that uh, uh, an imminent recession is coming. Not yet. Bill, what about your view on that? You've, at times over the past year, you've been rather more wary than most. So um, as you look at um, indicators like the, the yield curve, are you taking comfort from Anna's words? I, um, I've i got a, a particular perspective on this. I have, as you rightly say, I've been more cautious this year. Uh, and the the data has largely gone my way. Um, things have uh, have slowed and deteriorated. And, and I think it's interesting. We now have a, a, a yield curve signal that is telling us recession is coming. The Federal Reserve are, are alert to to the to these dangers um and i i know that they've already moved their uh, their stance a bit in in the direction of uh, of, of dovishness in the in the the signals that they've been giving indeed mm-hmm. just the uh, the the commentary that's accompanied the policy pronouncements and i i find myself wondering if uh, with the yield curve flat and with uh, small business surveys indicating that the business community is not quite as confident as it was, some of the messages from uh, a major CEO survey, if we might see a, a further move in the direction of, uh, of dovishness. And with markets having discounted a lot of bad news and prices down, that could be quite helpful in, in the short run. There are, there are moments in time where things look bad, policy uh, changes and suddenly that lightens the mood. Or, or even the tone of, uh, of policy changes and it suddenly feels um, an awful lot better than it might actually be. Well, I, I don't think that we need to see a rate cut for the market to behave as though rate expectations have come down. If the guidance for 2019 uh, includes uh, an, an, a lowering the dots, the, the famous dots, then the market might interpret that as effectively a reduction in interest rate expectations. I mean, this could actually, 
as you look at certain things like um, unemployment, for example, in in the states, which um, it seems to be picking up uh, again. Um, could it actually be? We're recording this in the middle of um, December. We're waiting for uh, the last meeting of the FOMC uh, this year. Is it possible that, um, uh, James, let me come to you, is it possible that the Fed might put off uh, the hike that everyone's um, thinking will come? My base case, and I think most people's base case is no, that, that, that is not on the cards. Um, it's Obviously, it's possible. Anything's possible. Um, I think it's very unlikely. I think the, 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 the nuance of the wording and the tone of anything they say post the meeting, very important. And I think, but but I think action itself, in terms of a pause, is a, is a twenty nineteen question, not a twenty eighteen question. Okay, uh, so if no great shocks from uh, the Fed or the US, um, then Anna, where else should we be um, looking out for, uh, for 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 danger signs? I think um, in terms of the cyclical picture, there are more worrying signs in the euro area. Italy is most definitely going to be in recession over the next few quarters. Um, Activity in Germany has been heavily disrupted um, by some policy changes in the auto sector. uh, And those disruptions uh, seem to be long lasting or and also um, some trade tensions and all those issues in terms of external environment um, have also affected the European data. So I think uh, we need to watch very carefully. And if we're worried about recession, this is where we should be looking, not the US for next year. And what about housing? Because it seems that housing or property generally has been at the root of many um, a problem in the past. Is that an issue now to watch out for? Well, this is just generally looking at global imbalances and thinking um, where should we focus on. Uh, Certainly, there's been uh, a really, really big rally in house prices in uh, most countries, most developed markets outside of the US. And so when we look at valuations, they're really off the charts. Housing market is is always at the center. It's it's the transmission mechanism between the real economy and the financial markets. And that's why we should be uh, looking at it. Uh, The interesting trend uh, over the past year uh, that we've seen is uh, some moderation in-house prices uh, in these countries that didn't see the correction in the global financial crisis and continued um, um, seeing the booms in the housing market. Like where? So this is um, Australia, New Zealand, Canada, Sweden, Norway. All these countries are already seeing slowing prices on the back of uh, some macroprudential policies, specifically targeting to achieve this cooling uh, in the housing market. And, And would they be significant enough to rock markets out with those countries? Well, this is what I think we are waiting to see. That's certainly not the intention of the policymakers. Uh, but I think if we see another big, like a big external shock hitting these countries, uh, this imbalance in the housing market will certainly uh, propagate that shock and exacerbate the downturn. Okay. So, Bill, eyes wide open as you stride around putting your risk back on. How do you do it? What are the what are the areas that um, that you're looking at right now as you seek to step back into the markets? Well, I've I've spoken already about the UK, um, where I've bought some exposure or bought back some short positions that I had in the in the FTSE 250, so the the more domestically orientated and cheapest part of the UK stock market. I've added some exposure uh, in emerging markets, uh, and the the story there revolves around the potential for for 
the tone of US monetary policy is to change and for that to be reflected in a weaker dollar. Um, for this year, the emerging markets have faced a multitude of headwinds. Um, the transmission of tighter policy from the Fed around the world has, has hit hard, um, and that's been accompanied by a stronger dollar, which has hit hard. If both those headwinds um, begin to abate, uh, I think that would be very welcome um, in, in emerging markets. So um, I've added some exposure there. Um, I also had some uh, short positions in US technology that I added with quite good timing at the end of the summer. Um, I've bought back uh, some of that, but I continue to be wary of the semiconductor sector. Uh, I think there are uh, still uh, meaningful risks for that sector that are very particular to the industry itself uh, that have been well reflected in uh, areas like Korea, um, but much less well reflected in the uh, semiconductor stocks in the United States. Let me come to uh, to James now. Thinking about um, uh, the regions, you, you sort of talked about the overall allocations and the changes that um, you've just made there. But where else should people be looking um, at the moment, do you think, in terms of uh, attractive places to invest? From an equity perspective, I think the, the, the thing that we always talk about is style or have for the last few months. And, and I actually continue to think that, that a pure value versus growth play in almost any country is, is, is prudent, whatever your view on the direction of the market. Thinking outside of equities, um, in fixed income, definitely emerging market debt, definitely Asian high yield within the, you know, and probably definitely not investment grade. I still like, irrespective of valuation, um, you know, anything that's inflation linked because I'm worried about inflation and continuing that hedging theme but things that can make money um, we can't underestimate gold there are times in a cycle where, where I look at gold and think maybe it's just not a prudent part of a portfolio this is not one of them and this is a time where gold is a prudent and, part and Bill of you're adding in gold uh, yes I've had gold for uh, for the last couple of years uh, it's it's not worked brilliantly well but it's uh, it's not been a problem And uh, it's not been I a Gordon Brown moment for you I had no, uh, no, certainly not. Um, but I, uh, I, I think uh, going into 2019, uh, the environment could be really quite good for gold. Um, if we see real interest rates fall, if we see the dollar fall, um, if perchance we see uh, inf- inflation surprise to the upside, I think all of those things uh, would suit gold very nicely. Okay, we're going to have um, a few reflections uh, on the year that's been and then some projections for the year that comes. So, um, Anna, I'll start with you, if I may. Uh, What stood out most for you in 2018? What was mostly interesting for me was that we saw, I think, the real first taste of um, what tighter liquidity, global liquidity, might mean uh, for markets. It was uh, across EM, but not just um, uh, not just at emerging market assets sold off. We had a crisis in Argentina. We had a crisis in Turkey. It touched uh, the corporate debt market uh, recently this autumn, something that uh, has not been vulnerable uh, so far. And I think these are this, all the symptoms of the same problem. And of course, we discussed all this um, uh, through the year. But I really think this was the first year uh, when we saw a very good example of what this uh, uh, further policy normalisation holds in store for us. Worth going back over the notes um, for that. Thank you, Anna. And um, Bill, what about you? Uh, The good, the bad, the ugly of 2018? Um, I think in terms of my own investment stance, the good has been that I've had the shape of it right. 
Um, we started 2018, the consensus was incredibly bullish. Um, Europe was supposed to do a 3% year, and uh, it was the year where uh, we'd see policy normalisation in Europe, policy normalisation in Japan even, uh, and that hasn't, that hasn't happened that way. <laughs> Draghi today is talking about risks on the downside. Um, so uh, I, I think being a bit more cautious and a bit more circumspect uh, when uh, people were so optimistic in December and January uh, has been has been quite good. Uh, in terms of the the bad, uh, I. I had a theme in the early part of the year that revolved around energy. Um, energy was extremely good in the first half of 2018. And uh, the way that I implemented that view in my portfolio, buying US energy equities principally, um, was uh, was definitely a, a, a mistake on my part. Uh, if I'd bought almost anything else that was tied to the price of energy, I'd have done a lot better. Um, and, and, and why was it? Why, why do you think that, um, that you got that bit wrong? I, I think in the US, uh, investors were enchanted with technology. And uh, if, if there's a desire to have a lot of exposure to technology companies, as was the case for the first three quarters, the money's got to come from somewhere. It's going to come from big sectors. Uh, and so uh, energy w- was kind of excluded from people's buy list because there was something that they thought was even better. Whereas you go to Europe, go to emerging markets, uh, and energy was exceptionally good. Very frustrating. Absolutely. And, and, and James, I mean, we, we've been talking about the fangs all year, haven't we? So technology really did dominate uh, markets uh, in the US. Um, but what for you stands out when you reflect on, on 2018? You know, I kind of feel, Richard, um, 2018 was a year where everyone knew what was going to happen. Um, and yet everyone reacted badly when it did. So we knew we were going to see you know, fiscal tightening, end of QEQT, sort of QT, um, we knew we were going to see increased volatility because volatility was ridiculously low. Yeah, and actually, we knew the fangs would, would at some point stop their endless upward momentum. I mean, I think everyone in the market knew that. And despite that, every, all of those things were major issues that panicked everyone. And I, and I think that was, that was a very interesting, um, very interesting year. I think what's, what's doubly interesting is I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen in 2019. I think those, thing, those certainties that were there... You know, maybe a bit. You know, those were those were inevitable events. Twenty nineteen is a bit less clear. Um, it'd be very interesting how the market reacts to something it's not expecting. Which, when if it's expecting something that's slightly negative, it starts panicking. A great segue into um, uh, our thoughts for the coming year, um, Anna. What might the unexpected um, surprises be? The unknown unknowns. Um, well, uh, Trump aside, we, we, we can never predict what, what happens <laughs> <No>. <laughs> there, and perhaps Brexit aside too. Um, if I focus on policy, obviously the general expectation is um, central banks will continue uh, hiking or normalizing policy very slowly. Maybe the Fed will pause, but obviously they are ahead in the tightening cycle. Uh, but obviously no one expects that we might be back to QE or some unconventional policy measures. If we do uh, have into a yeah, sharper slowdown uh, or even recession if, if we are wrong. So I think uh, back to well, if, QE... If they've got any ammunition left to spend. 
Uh, well, Draghi says they have a lot of tools, so we believe him. Um, so that that is something that's unexpected. And another another uh, risk or positive risk on, on the fiscal policy front, uh, if suddenly the EU decides to unleash a big fiscal stimulus, that's going to be great news for Europe. Wouldn't it just? Okay. Bill, what about you? What are you thinking of as we go into 2019? That, that might take us by surprise. Um Maybe along similar lines to uh, to what you've just heard from Anna, in fact. I, I, I think uh, things have deteriorated enough in China that there will be more policy from China. Um, and Draghi's talking about downsides, so I, I think the idea that the, there's tightening in, in Europe uh, is fanciful. I, I, I wonder if uh, we might be surprised uh, by one... Uh, that we do get a, a policy response in in 2019 that uh, the politicians deem it uh, sensible insurance to to do a bit more fiscal to uh, uh, to do a bit more monetary whatever the mix is, and that that happens against the backdrop of very tight labour markets and uh, we we get some inflation, um, and I think I think that would be quite a big shock for markets. The implications uh, would be profound. Um, using government bonds to hedge risk, not working. Uh, having exposure to long duration high growth stocks in the environment I've just described, not working. Uh, a 60-40 passive portfolio uh, dominated by longer duration high growth US stocks and uh, indexed um, government bonds. That That could be a very, very poor strategy in the environment I've just described. A very disconcerting environment. Um, James, what about you? Because um, there was an interesting story out on on Reuters earlier, um, wondering whether we were going to see um, President Trump impeached. Are we going to see him fire uh, Powell from the Fed, uh, oil crashing to $20 a barrel? (laughs) There's all sorts that could happen. I kind of agree with Bill that that inflation is, 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 you know, I've talked about it a lot, it's one of my big concerns. And I think more generally, how you resolve the imbalances you know, in terms of returns to assets versus returns to workers, in terms of, you know, wealth disparity. Um, all of those are, are unusually extreme imbalances, and at some point they have to come back together. And, and I think as you see that rebalancing process, um, you're going to see a lot of unexpected things in markets, a lot of unexpected things in policy. And I think that will be interesting but quite difficult to position for. So if I were to summarise that, we don't yet know what our hot cakes or our hot potatoes might be. Very accurate, Richard. Very accurate. Jolly good. Well, we're out of time, and this is the last rich pickings of the year. We'll be back in January. Uh, but for now, my thanks to my guests, Anna, Bill and James, and thanks to you for listening. Have a very good break, wherever you are. Goodbye. This podcast is for investment professionals only and should not be relied on by private investors. This podcast is provided for informational purposes only and is intended only for the person or entities to which it is sent. It must not be reproduced or circulated to any other party without prior permission of fidelity. The value of investments can go down as well as up, so you may get back less than you invest. For other important legal notices, please see our website, professionals.fidelity.co.uk forward slash about hyphen fidelity.